Here's a quick thanks to our sponsors. MoFo, male optimization formula with organs to boost testosterone. ButcherBox, convenient, affordable, free delivery of the highest quality meat, poultry, and seafood. Buy optimizers, performance supplements like magnesium, probiotics, and more. Beauty Counter, a complete line of safer skin care and cosmetic products. B-Rad Grass-Fed Whey Protein Isolate Super Fuel, the ultimate performance recovery and longevity drink. And Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece, mind-blowing nut butter blend. And check out the favorites link at bradkearns.com for my personal selection of favorite products for health, fitness, and peak performance and great discounts for listeners. And here we go with the show. So if you live near a bomb testing site, you know what? It was okay. You're getting a little bit of radiation. And they tried to pass that off as hormetic stressors where, as the story goes, your body is exposed to a toxin and mounts a defense response. The liver king, the most ancestral living human you can find when you go visit his home outside of Houston area, um, there are no cell phones allowed in the home. Uh, Stress is cumulative. So if you're having 12 orders of french fries every year, once a month, um, let's talk in 20 years. Hey listeners, I discovered an awesome new electrolyte and triple enzyme powdered drink that's going to knock your socks off. It's called Bala Enzyme. And it comes in a convenient little pouch of bright orange powder that you pour into water for the ultimate electrolyte and antioxidant drink. It's simple, convenient, and yes, the orange tint comes from a potent serving of turmeric along with a clean and diverse assortment of enzymes and electrolytes and a perfect taste that's not fake or too sweet. Bala was created by husband and wife doctors to help their patients recover from inflammation, improve hydration, speed up recovery, even relieve joint pain, improve digestion, and boost immunity. I love their incredible devotion to product quality. There's a lot of research behind it, and I just sprinkle this packet into ice water, and it's so easy to stay hydrated because you absolutely enjoy the taste of the drink. Get their convenient little packets. They even designed it with the uh, the tear half-torn so it's easy to open into the water. I love what they think of. And it comes in three exciting flavors, pineapple, lime, and berry. It's so potent, it might stain your fingers if you get it on your fingers. And yes, that's a good thing for a serving of turmeric that's that potent. It's also sugar-free, zero-carb, and promoting of the three R's. Rehydrate, relieve, and revive. Please visit balaenzyme.com, B-A-L-A-E-N-Z-Y-M-E. And of course, there's a special deal for BRAD podcast listeners. 30% off your first order. Just use the code BRAD30 at balaenzyme.com. Greetings, listeners. I hope you read the title before you pushed play. Everything in moderation is bullshit. But let's not overdo it either. And this podcast is dedicated to all those of us who have uttered that wonderful phrase, everything in moderation. And typically, we know what we mean here, but it's an easily misinterpreted and misappropriated phrase. So I'm going to dive in and dissect it and beat it up a little bit. And hopefully we'll walk away with some fresh perspective, especially about the uh, the second clause, but let's not overdo it either. So I'm having a lot of reflection lately on the tendency for many of us, especially those devoted to health and fitness pursuits and 
especially competitive pursuits, uh, the potential, the penchant for taking things to excess where your health and fitness endeavors become too stressful, uh, but at the same time, never succumbing to the tremendous momentum we have toward unhealthy lifestyle practices, accelerated aging, and epidemic disease patterns. And we want to stay away from following that pack and find the sweet spot, which is a challenge because we live in this age of indulgence, instant gratification, a lot of harmful influences, a lot of marketing forces, very strong marketing forces pushing us in the direction of consumerism and instant gratification at the expense of long-term health. So my reflections come as I continue to fight this battle, optimize my diet, my fitness practices, and my lifestyle for peak performance and longevity, but I've been so deep into this game for so long that it's possible to get too far into this stuff and bring in the potential for extra stress, frustration, confusion, instead of uh, backing up and hitting the big picture items and enjoying life and not worrying so much about uh, further optimization especially in the area of pursuing competitive goals and doing too much rather than erring on the other side. And boy, was that a uh, battle in the triathlon scene when everyone was trying to become highly competent in three different sports. There were so many workout objectives to address, and there was a great quote that was bantered around that it's better to be... Uh, 10% undertrained than 2% overtrained. And that's uh, one to remember for the ages. And recently, as you know from my four part series uh, inspired by Jay Feldman energy balance ideas, and of course the interview that I had with Jay, uh, the insight fasting turns on stress hormones that has really been haunting me since I heard it because it opens up that can of worms for me to rethink uh, the foundation of my collective health and fitness practices, many of which would fall into that category that we call hormetic stressors or challenges to the body, uh, to the cellular function that are uh, designed to prompt an adaptive response. So we're talking about fasting, time-restricted feeding, carb restriction like the ketogenic diet, uh, even the uh, carnivore-style diet can be carb-restrictive unless you make efforts otherwise. And we also stack onto that, as I talked about frequently in the four-part series, uh, the advanced age that I'm at while I participate in uh, peak competitive endeavors that are more uh, commonly uh, pursued by uh, high school kids and college kids. Then we have things like cold exposure, heat exposure, and general everyday life stress that are all piled into a, a category, a scoreboard, and we're trying to optimize the stress-rest balance. So I think there are a lot of people I'm speaking to, especially in the endurance community or the extreme athletic community as seen in CrossFit or in the, the most devoted gym goers, not the people who wish they could go more and deserve to go more, but the people who are there day after day after day in the front row of the boot camp class and then the next day the front row of the group cycling class class, and so forth. Um, the most devoted, goal-oriented, driven, motivated folks are in this category where it's quite likely that the stressors are adding up, and we need to figure out ways 
to get the maximum hormonal, psychological, physical benefits of leading a healthy, active lifestyle with a minimal stress impact. Because as Jay Feldman reminded us, stress is cumulative, right? You um, go out there, run a half marathon, get sore, you can't walk for a few days, you get a black toenail, it comes off, and you recover, you come back, you do another half marathon eight months later, uh, the same thing happens, you recover, you come back, and then you wake up 15, 20, or 30 years later, and you are a beat-up hunched over runner with a bad hip or a bad knee or a stiff ankle, what have you. So the the cumulative impact of stress is important to remember when you conclude that you have recovered from uh, your most recent workout. So we have to zoom out, look at the big picture, and like Olympic gold medal triathlete Simon Whitfield says, he's coached today in retirement from the triathlon circuit. Uh, Today, he's coached by his 80-year-old self. So he wants to do uh, workouts and lifestyle practices that would make his 80-year-old self look down and smile and give the thumbs-up approval. So that is a a, a great takeaway for all of us. We want to be coached by our 80-year-old self as well as anyone else who's coaching us today, right? And hopefully those two uh, entities are in agreement, right? So as I reflect on my health journey to date, I can think of a few occasions where uh, being hardcore in many ways, for sure, admittedly, but I also can reflect on times where I had a toe or a foot or a leg out of the water, and I think it served me very well on each time. Uh, one was in the research and immersion into the ketogenic diet when Mark Sisson and I were working on the keto reset diet. So for a pretty brief period, I was strict keto. I was charting my uh, blood values for glucose and ketones several times a day. I was tracking my meals. I was putting it into the macronutrient calculators, all in the name of book research. And Luckily, I would say that didn't last long. We now have a a strong assertion across the board, virtually across the board, that keto is not necessary or even advisable to remain in over the long term. And so thank goodness for my penchant for dark chocolate and other uh, quote-unquote indulgences during that time where maybe for six months I was strict keto and then uh, the chocolate was leaking into the picture more and more along with other things and it wasn't um, a long duration period of time where I was deliberately restricting carbohydrates to that extreme while going out there and trying to perform because I didn't take any time off from my workout regimen and that was definitely um, a challenge for me, even though a lot of people have shown that they can uh, do extremely well as long-term ketogenic athletes, even in the power and the explosive sports. I'm thinking of Luis Villasenor, uh, proprietor of Keto Gains, and he's been a competitive power lifter and bodybuilder for almost two decades now, eating a strict ketogenic diet. Uh, I can also reflect on Um, when I was captivated by the carnivore message presented by Dr. Paul Saladino, Dr. Sean Baker, and really interested in maximizing the nutrient density of my diet and embracing this concept that uh, the consumption of the natural plant toxins found in the widely touted super healthy foods from the plant community could 
possibly be damaging, especially to sensitive people, and also weren't the absolutely essential, necessary centerpiece of the diet that we've often been uh, told. And so uh, I looked at my salads differently, my stir-fry vegetables, and I drifted or, or uh, jogged in the direction of the carnivore-ish movement. However, I never could go all the way into strict carnivore because I intuitively uh, felt like it wasn't necessary. I wasn't a highly sensitive person to plant toxins, so I definitely had sufficient carbs in my realm uh, at all times to where I didn't have the problems that Saladino describes as he went uh, deep into, into very strict carnivore for, I believe, two years, and he was getting some side effects because he, too, was trying to maintain an ambitious fitness regimen with surfing and jujitsu, and he was getting muscle cramps and weird symptoms like that. He started uh, experimenting with fruit and honey, and that's where he's landed upon today, which I believe is a really strong position where it's an animal-based diet emphasizing the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet without question. This would be the nose-to-tail animal strategy, especially getting in those organ meats and the true superfoods of the planet. Everything is presented very uh, simply and memorably on my Carnivore Scores food rankings chart that you can download at bradkearns.com so you can get some context for what I'm talking about. So it's focusing on the nutritional powerhouses of the world and then being sure to obtain sufficient carbohydrates for hormonal health and athletic performance and recovery. The other major occasion example where I didn't go all in and it saved my ass, I believe, was my triathlon career. So I was extremely uh, motivated and devoted to uh, pursuing a professional career in that sport and racing on the circuit and do the, doing the absolute best I could. Uh, but I kept getting tired when I tried to escalate my training to the extreme levels that I thought was yeah, a necessary component of uh, rising up the rankings. But I just couldn't do it. I wasn't resilient enough. I didn't have the genetics. Uh, apparently uh, to compare with the volume and the overall uh, workload absorbed by many of my peers on the pro circuit. And it was kind of frustrating at the time. Uh, and I also had this inclination to pursue a more balanced life uh, in terms of other endeavors and hobbies away from uh, living and breathing triathlon 24-7, and I think those things help me to maintain a fresh perspective, take care of my body perhaps better than some of my peers that were just so all-in and had the engine power to do it, where they pretty much buried themselves and had shorter careers or didn't rise up to the level of their potential because they left a lot of their uh, peak performance uh, potential and training. And so uh, for whatever fragility that I had genetically uh, or processing energy or whatever was the reason that I'd wake up feeling like crap while uh, a peer might wake up from uh, the same 100-mile uh, bike ride the previous day and feel fine and want to go another 100, um, I think it helped me perform close to my potential on the race course and then also uh, avoiding this disturbing uh, occurrence these days where long-time extreme endurance athletes are coming up with heart problems at an alarming rate. And I've talked about this on other shows before, but an endurance athlete has a unique training protocol where they are able to elevate their heart rate into the training zone and peg it at a high rate for hours on end 
day after day, week after week, year after year. And this is essentially a repeated inflammation and scarring of the very delicate heart muscle uh, in a comparable manner to doing too many bicep curls and waking up the next day and your biceps are sore. And that's actually what happens to the heart. Um, you get the inflammation and scarring over time, and eventually it disturbs the electrical signaling of the heart. Also a very delicate process, right? And so you get a condition like atrial fibrillation, which is very, very common among the most extreme athletes who have had uh, lengthy careers. So especially uh, when you're combining three different sports where you can blast that heart for hours and then uh, vary the skeletal load uh, so you can keep going after the marathon runner has gone home and is resting after uh, even the best marathoners are only training for a couple hours a day uh, but with swimming where you can train for hours and hours every day cycling hours and hours and the uh, high stress level of high impact running boy that's a recipe for uh, breakdown in some way and I experienced sort of the hormonal or the endocrine breakdowns where I was just too tired and there was nothing wrong with my body. I wasn't injured or anything. Uh, and so that kind of kept me in check. Uh, but when those people with big engines are opening up the throttle in the swimming pool and on the mountains and hills of the bike ride and on the trails running, um, it's a tough one. And so while I'm deliberately and decisively very far away from that scene today, I no longer wish to participate in anything resembling an extreme endurance event. I do uh, give my uh, tip of the cap to uh, a handful of my peers who are still going strong after decades. And so I believe these are the most genetically fortunate where they're still uh, feeling good. They haven't broken down. Pete Kane comes to mind. He's had like 35 triathlon seasons in a row where he has competitive race schedule and is out there competing in the age divisions, uh, even as he pushes 60 years old, been doing it since he was 20 years old. Absolutely astonishing. Um, but I've uh, recalibrated my competitive goals, as you know, as a longtime listener toward the more explosive, high intensity, uh, competitive endeavors, such as sprinting and high jumping. And of course, I still am really fond of speed golf. When you're playing in an 18-hole tournament, that's a run of about four and a half to five miles. So that definitely qualifies as an endurance event. Uh, but I'm not highly competent at blasting those five-mile runs. So I'm more of a golfer rather than a long-distance runner uh, picking up a club and participating in speed golf. Funny that I should say that because when I first started speed golfing way back when, um, I was one of the faster guys because I was coming right off a career as a pro triathlete and I was a, a decent player but now I'm one of the slower guys and just trying to trying to get my game in shape and uh, move faster on the course uh, for those golf enthusiasts I'll have you know I just switched to one-handed putting so it's been a tremendous athletic challenge and something to really focus on but you play much much faster because you don't have to put your bag down run onto the green get your ball put it in the hole and then run off the green, pick up your bag, and proceed to the next tee. So now I have the bag, a little tiny bag, of course, for speed golfers, the bag in one hand and stroking that putt with the other hand. And boy, is it fun to to pick up a new challenge, feel that frustration, uh, then start to feel like you got it a little bit, you're making breakthroughs. And that's what sports is all about, is pursuing new challenges and um, just trying to, trying to get better and improve. So um, 
even with my recalibration toward high intensity exercise and much shorter duration competitive goals, like the 400 meters, which lasts a minute, hopefully no more than that, or the high jump, which lasts about four or five seconds rather than my bread and butter of the old days, which were triathlon races lasting from two hours to six hours to nine hours. Uh, pretty funny, but I still uh, battle against possible uh, overstress overtraining patterns and it comes in the form of persistent muscle soreness so it's like this uh, indicator whatever great workout i did uh, one or two days prior when i felt wonderful and everything was great uh, but it was too much for my body a little bit and here comes another uh, minor injury or persistent muscle soreness so i'm really working hard on reining that in and trying to discover um, the sweet spot. And I have to acknowledge with my speed golf endeavors, my sprinting workouts and my high jump workouts, that sweet spot is probably a little bit, a few steps back from what I typically do. Uh, it's less than what I like to do. I want to tell you about wildhealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app. Wild Health evaluates your data to determine what you need for nutrition, exercise, sleep, and supplements, and you can experiment, consult, and retest to get everything dialed in. You'll get a cutting-edge epigenetic test of DNA methylation to calculate your all-important biological age and have fun lowering your age over time instead of following the mainstream path to accelerated aging. It's time to strive for awesome instead of just normal. Did you realize that only 6.8% of Americans are deemed metabolically healthy and only 2% are declared optimal? That's disgraceful, but you can turn things around quickly. Please visit wildhealth.com and you will see that this is the absolute gold standard of personalized medicine and it's available to you right now. Telemedicine available anywhere in the USA. Wild Health is generously extending BRAD podcast listeners 20% off the cost of membership. Just visit wildhealth.com slash Brad or use the code BRAD20 at checkout to get 20% off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com slash Brad. I want to discuss the incredible benefits of red light therapy and how you can get started with Mito Red Light. Mito, like mitochondria, red light makes the premier light therapy devices in the world and at incredibly affordable prices. I stand in front of my Mito Pro 1500 unit every morning, carefully exposing my eyeballs, other important balls, and my entire body to special wavelengths of red and near for red light. When I tell people about my daily devotion to red light therapy, they typically ask, does this stuff really work? And the answer is yes. And there are thousands of studies supporting its effectiveness. Here's how. It's called photobiomodulation. 
where specific wavelengths of red and near-infrared light, red's visible, near-infrared is not visible, that's why it looks like only half of your panel's working, these wavelengths help mitochondria in cells throughout your body produce more energy and clear waste products more efficiently. Red light exposure helps mobilize nitric oxide trapped in the mitochondria and allows oxygen to return to the cell and increase ATP production. The benefits are proven again and again for skin health, muscle recovery, joint pain, and numerous inflammatory conditions. Red light therapy is also beneficial for circadian rhythm alignment because we generally get far too little direct sunlight and too much indoor blue light from screens and light bulbs at the wrong times. You don't hear much about this benefit of red light therapy, but when I turn on those lights, first thing in the morning. As soon as I wake up, I walk across the hall, I stand in front of the panels, and I feel instantly awake and energized. And believe me, there's a lot of days where Mr. Health Guy here wakes up feeling a little groggy and a little whiny, like I don't want to right get up now and get into my morning exercise routine. But when I stand in front of the lights, in one minute, I swear I feel wide awake. I get all that grogginess out naturally. It's super powerful, super effective, besides all the healing and the cellular benefits. I also love it for being a natural wake-up machine. You have to try red light therapy. I am certain that you will become a devoted user. And guess what? Mito Red Light offers a 60-day no-risk trial period and a special 5% discount for B-Rad podcast listeners. Just visit mitoredlight, M-I-T-O, redlight.com, and use the code BRAD on any of their products. Go for it today and get started on your red light journey. So, Echem, what's going on here? And I'm referencing my interview with uh, Dr. Anna Lemke, author of Dopamine Nation, uh, talking about our penchant for addiction and how we're wired toward that instant gratification. And uh, fortunately, I can assert that I'm not addicted to uh, the major uh, societal uh, concerns here, like alcohol, drugs, prescription drugs, pornography, uh, instant gratification, junk food. Fortunately, those things are not in the picture, but what about uh, knowing better and continuing to perform high-intensity workouts that are overly stressful, are not aligned with my competitive goals, and somehow uh, needing to look at this, examine this blind spot, and ask myself whether I have uh, that addictive tendency to hit those dopamine triggers where I can get the instant gratification from uh, doing some extra uh, during the workout and then having it come back to bite me. So that is a uh, that is a current needs to improve area. So I'm trying to experience less muscle soreness and post workout. Uh, fatigue or a minor injury. Um, reflecting on my interview with Dr. Doug McGuff and his touted Big Five workout, where he cites uh, extensive scientific research validating this idea that it takes uh, very little time to put your body under resistance load to achieve ongoing strength gains. And he prescribes this template of doing a single set 
to failure in five different compound exercises on machines in the gym. Uh, the lat pull down, the chest press, the overhead press, the seated row, and the leg press. I can't believe I've memorized them now. That's great. Uh, but going in there and going with a very slow uh, cadence so that your uh, time under tension on the muscle is prolonged and just doing one set, resting a little bit, doing one set of the next, one set of the next. And if that's all you do in a week, that is your optimal not minimal, but that's your optimal frequency for increasing strength. In other words, if you were to go and do that super simple workout that doesn't really tax you, you feel fine. Sometimes I'm driving by the gym and I'm like, oh, I haven't done a big five in a while. And I'll just pull in, <laughs> punch my card. Usually the app doesn't work, so I have to get the little tag again. That takes longer than my workout sometimes. Anyway, I'll go in there, go upstairs, hit the uh, the five machines and be on my way in about 12 minutes. It's a ridiculous notion to think that this is my optimal progression for increasing strength, but it's highly validated by science, as is the idea that if uh, one were to be extra ambitious and go in there and do the workout twice a week instead of once a week, right? Makes sense. More is better. Make more progress. But uh, the, the research is clear that that frequency is too much. That's when you start to get the uh, crunchy shoulder or the uh, ongoing uh, repeated soreness or lack of progress uh, with uh, peak performance markers like the ability to add an extra plate and keep your reps uh, still around uh, the, the sweet spot of 12. So you want to do um, a, a one set to failure, but choosing a weight that allows you to perform somewhere around 12 reps. Um, the same thing goes for my sprint workout or my high jump workout. I know from uh, uh, information from uh, world-class athletes that uh, a, a good jumper, a world-class uh, high jumper, has about a dozen jumps in their legs at any one session or competition. And after that, uh, that that's all you need to do to stimulate progress, and it's very likely that technique will falter if you continue past uh, a dozen or so. That's a general observation, and I'm not an expert, but I've received that feedback enough to where it makes sense, and it probably is uh, resonating with most of the world-class jumpers out there. So why is this master's athlete, Brad Kearns, going and doing as many as 20? This is a full approach, full effort jump, uh, 20 at a single workout. Well, it's because when I get to 12 or 13, I'm not tired, right? I'm an endurance athlete. I can handle more. Maybe I'm not jumping uh, over a bar that's seven and a half feet in the air, so I can do more because my bar's a little lower. Uh, but again, the, the stress and the uh, training load is is relative to the fitness level of the individual, such that me jumping over a five-foot bar is just as challenging as a world-class athlete jumping over a, a seven-foot bar. And so when I extend my workout out from 12 full-length approaches to 20, uh, because I'm frustrated and I want to get my technique right, and the 17th one was terrible, so I want to go to to the 18th one and to leave on a good note, those are the things that are coming back to bite me later. 
So, if you're listening and you're possibly in that category of an extreme performer and a hard driver, this is a strong admonition to dial it back a little bit and honor a kinder, gentler approach to even your most ambitious competitive goals. So, taking those high jump approaches down from 20 to 12 or appreciating uh, Dr. McGuff's very astute and strong position that a single workout per week is sufficient to build strength. Now, uh, we have to make that clarification, as Dr. McGuff does very well, that this is uh, strictly to strengthen the muscle so that you can, for example, uh, chest press a greater weight. And so this should be uh, seen independently from one's competitive goals in, in sports and fitness endeavors. So if you're trying to become a better tennis player or a better football player, you're going to need a variety of skill training specific to those athletic goals. But if we can isolate the objective of getting stronger and then perform our skill training where we're working mostly on skills rather than trying to blend an effort to get stronger while we're doing skill training then arguably both fitness objectives uh, can succeed further because you're sort of separating them. In other words, when I'm high jumping, I am mostly trying to improve my technique, my timing, my ability to run the curve and uh, take off properly, uh, learn how to travel through the air optimally, all that kind of stuff. But I shouldn't be trying to get my legs stronger during a high jump workout, for example, by doing 20 reps instead of 12s. So if I can focus on skill development, same with a basketball player going into the gym and doing dribbling drills and shooting drills and defensive sliding drills, uh, but has already done uh, the big five workout on a different day where they're trying to get a stronger upper body, stronger lower body, so they can be a more athletic specimen on the court. Uh, it's a very compelling premise that seems to uh, represent, I believe, uh, a fitness breakthrough in how we train competitive athletes in the future, uh, such that the workouts are crisp, uh, honoring a good technique throughout the workout, and not indulging uh, this struggle and suffer uh, type of ethos that we've had for so many decades where uh, the football team is going to get good because uh, the workouts are so exhausting during summer hell week and their hands are on their knees. It's probably better for them to work on uh, how to cut and run their pass patterns or how to uh, learn their blocking techniques uh, with crispness and lack of fatigue, and then they can get stronger with devoted sessions in the weight room. You get what I'm saying here? Okay, so let's bring it back to the focus of the show here, um, which is trying to find that sweet spot where we get maximum uh, fitness and health benefits uh, with minimizing the potential for stress and breakdown. And it's all about doing your best in every area that, that is interesting that you care about, your diet, your exercise, your sleep, your stress management, uh, and being very, very diligent to avoid the lures and the temptations and the spirals downward that we can succumb to if we don't have that discipline and that focus. Okay, so that was a carefully worded statement about doing your best and being diligent as heck against the things that can take us down. And this is what counters this bullshit concept of everything in moderation in today's uh, world where we are represented with the 
sickest and fattest population in the history of humanity. That is uh, the United States of America citizenry, where we have uh, two-thirds of adults are classified as overweight or obese. In fact, a quarter of the adult population of America is classified as obese. With That's the serious health risk category uh, with excess body fat and all the metabolic factors that come with it. Uh, in Dr. Phil Maffetone's book, The Overfat Pandemic, he identifies that 91% of the global population might be classified as overfat. And he uses that term to describe people that might not be carrying a lot of excess body fat, but they have an excess of the particularly health-destructive visceral fat. That's the collection of fat in the abdomen area and surrounding the organs. This is highly inflammatory. It interferes with uh, a hormone function, uh, especially the conversion of testosterone into estrogen, and it's a really bad deal. So if you see skinny people walking around, but they have a gut, uh, that would be someone in the uh, the overfat category that might not be in the, uh, the BMI excess overweight slash obese category. So we're really talking about um, all of us being victims to uh, the consumerism, the indulgences, the distractions, and the marketing machine that's pushing us away from uh, our ancestral patterns and our genetic expectations for health. And that's what this, uh, this movement is all about, is recapturing some of the things that make us human and make us thrive. I want to talk about the best magnesium supplement from Bioptimizers. Did you know that magnesium is believed to be one of the most widely deficient micronutrients, that it's involved in 600 different enzyme reactions in the body, and that 75% of modern citizens fail to get enough from their diets? This is due to depleted soil, missing the truly magnesium-rich foods, and stressful lifestyle patterns depleting magnesium levels. It's definitely one of the most important supplements, and Bioptimizers has a sensational product called Magnesium Breakthrough, the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress relief and better sleep. Visit magbreakthrough.com slash Brad, and you get an incredibly informative page on how the product will benefit you and the best ways to use it. You'll also save 10% on that page or by using the code BRAD10 at checkout. Try the product with a full money-back guarantee from Buy Optimizers. Visit magbreakthrough, M-A-G, breakthrough.com slash Brad, or use the code BRAD10 at checkout. So please tell me where moderation comes into the picture in this context. Uh, just to escape from disaster, I'm arguing that we need an extreme and highly devoted uh, focus and commitment to health, fitness, and longevity and disease prevention. I was doing a, a rant, uh, hanging around with my childhood friends. We gather frequently, and I was talking about uh, the content of the Carnivore Scores food rankings chart. Maybe I even brought one and flashed it at a social gathering. I don't know, uh, but you know, talking about how the the most nutrient dense foods on the planet are things like liver and salmon eggs and oysters, uh, pastured eggs. Oil cold water fish, grass-fed steak, blah, 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 going on and on. And um, one of my friends, uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, got right into the bullseye. 
And he said, look, BK, that's all good and well. I don't think many people are going to eat that liver. It's so gross, even if it is the most nutritious food. And what we're talking about here really is everything in moderation. And you might as well have had the, the, uh, the, 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 the hurricane horns sound, uh, across the city, uh, cause that one lit me up. I'm like, excuse me. And of course we know what he's talking about and that, uh, most people aren't going to be inclined or maybe don't need to go to that great extreme. Like we see with liver king, the most extreme of all living ancestral humans. And you can go find him on Instagram doing extreme workouts, extreme dietary practice. Practices. And uh, if that's not your game and you want to revert over to an everything in moderation comment, we have to very carefully uh, examine the context of that statement so that it does not become a cop out. And so uh, I pounced on my buddy, who's a very, very successful, uh, prominent public figure and a driven lifelong entrepreneur. And I said, look, man, <laughs> that statement counters everything that you stand for in your entire life. And the entire path of your existence has been about intense competition and an insatiable, insatiable quest for challenge and victory and optimization, especially in the career realm, but also as an athlete and uh, all the things that uh, he loves to compete in. He's like, a Michael Jordan. He wants to beat you at checkers, you know? So, um, how is it, I wonder, that peak performers in many areas of life have a tendency to sag when it comes to uh, the desire to optimize diet and eliminate these poisonous foods that are being pushed upon us uh, on the billboards and on the grocery store shelves, not to mention things like sleep, uh, drifting away from optimal sleep in favor of uh, streaming digital entertainment or whatever, and then uh, in many cases wake up the next morning and kick royal ass to the level that they're in that, uh, you know, vaunted category, most successful, highest rewarded humans in the economy. Um, and it's clear that we have collectively uh, deprioritized health and fitness in favor of consumerism and instant gratification. And so the rewards of quote unquote working hard are generally uh, limited to kind of the, the economic aspects of working hard uh, rather than uh, opening up the lens and seeing this as a big picture. And this is kind of um, reminding me of my former podcast guest, Dr. Robert Lustig, who wrote the brilliant book, The Hacking of the American Mind. And he describes how these dopamogenic pleasure-seeking behaviors uh, has hijacked the human brain, and it has come at the expense of happiness, fulfillment, and contentment, which comes from persevering through difficult challenges in areas that you have a passion for. And so if you think about uh, the difference between hitting a button and having DoorDash come and deliver some processed food, most likely laden with industrial seed oils, the very worst thing that you can eat. doesn't matter what kind of food you're ordering or what kind of restaurant. Even the highest quality, most expensive restaurants routinely use the worst oils to prepare their very expensive meals. The difference between that and taking a Saturday morning, leaving your phone behind or leaving it in your pocket, walking uh, a couple miles to the farmer's market with your canvas bag, speaking to the local farmers and asking them about their berry harvest or their pasture-raised chickens or the even the, the fishermen come uh, with the wild-caught local fish uh, at a great farmer's market and you form relationships with them, you learn more, you fill up your bags, you walk home and you prepare a home-cooked meal with family, friends, loved ones. The difference between that and clicking the button 
is profound and you can see the inherent value and the contentment and satisfaction that you might get from plan B, uh, even though it took uh, many more hours than clicking the button and returning to your streaming entertainment or what have you. Uh, but I think in the hacking of the American mind, Dr. Lustig's arguing that uh, the forces are so powerful pushing us in these areas of the, the dopaminogenic pleasures social media, mobile devices, alcohol, dr street drugs, prescription drugs, pornography, video games, uh, and on and on. A excessive exercise, giving that exercise high over and over at the expense of your long-term fitness progress and health. These are the things that are in the way and are preventing us from those pursuits that afford this deep uh, fulfillment, contentment, happiness of a rich and meaningful and healthy and vibrant and energetic life. So that is my uh, counter to someone opening their mouth and saying everything at moderation at the wrong time. <laughs> All right. And of uh, credit to my friend, he said, fair point, fair point, because, you know, I, 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 I hit him uh, in the bullseye. This is not a moderation person. So why would you even think about espousing that ideal in any area of life ever okay hey ladies you may have heard me talk about gains wave treatment for improving male penile vascular health and sexual function and maybe you thought hey what about my needs well gains wave has got you covered with a revolutionary new treatment protocol called gains wave for her as with the male Gainswave treatment, a skilled practitioner uses a handheld device to send low-intensity shock waves into your vaginal area to stimulate a healing response, promote increased blood circulation, and the growth of new blood vessels. After a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results with Gainswave reporting an 80% success rate. Some benefits... You will revitalize your intimate relationships with heightened sensation and arousal and enhance pleasure and satisfaction. Don't contemplate invasive procedures or uncomfortable medical treatments. Regain confidence and reclaim your sexuality with Gaines Wave for her. You visit the website gainswave.com, G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area. You complete a series of treatments and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment. So please visit gainswave.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area and take advantage of my special promo that you'll mention when you find your local practitioner. Buy six treatments and get one free. I'm so excited to introduce you to Paluva. This is a new zero-drop minimalist shoe with the distinctive five-toe design from my main man, Mark Sisson. Paluvas give you the most authentic barefoot style experience, but with sufficient cushioning so you can use them for all manner of daily movement, especially walking and many other fitness and athletic activities. Paluvas are also incredibly stylish, so you get a barefoot shoe that you're not embarrassed to wear around in daily life. 
It's been so cool to see the popularity of minimalist shoes grow over the recent years. But Paluvas are a step ahead of every other zero-drop wide-box shoe because of the critical feature of individual five-toe articulation, a separate slot for each of your toes. This allows for correct dynamic movement of the foot through the walking or running stride, which is impossible when your toes are encased into a single box, even a wide box. Well, you might know that minimalist shoes have faced controversy in recent years for causing injuries from inappropriate use. So here is the big picture mission. We want to get you walking in paluvas, living in your paluvas, going barefoot in your home or other safe areas as often as possible. Go ahead and use your specialized cushiony running shoes or your basketball shoes, work boots, high heels, things that you want to wear when you want to wear them, but wear your Paluvas as much as possible to reawaken the natural functionality of the human foot to stand, walk, run, and perform. Do you want to try a pair? I'm certain that when you put them on and walk around, you are going to quickly realize that these are the most comfortable, natural shoes that you've ever worn. They are designed to feel like you're, quote, walking barefoot on a putting green please visit paluva.com, that's P-E-L-U-V-A, and use the code BRADPODCAST and get 10% off your first pair. Paluvas, let your feet be feet. So hopefully it's clear that we have an obligation to do our best in pursuit of that rich, meaningful, satisfying life uh, and without overdoing it, which is uh, a common risk factor in a certain narrow segment of the population. And so let's get some uh, logistics, some nitty-gritty uh, marching orders in a few different areas here to, um, to piggyback the show after my initial rant. Uh, when it comes to food... We have a unique opportunity to shape the world and the future of our planet with our pocketbooks. So we have to vote and we have to support the most sustainable and conscientious manufacturers and retailers of food. Uh, here comes a huge plug for ButcherBox. Why not put a commercial in the middle of the show? Oh my gosh, what an incredible find. And thank you, Dave Coburn. A couple of years ago, I opened up his freezer. I'm like, what's all this stuff? He goes, oh, ButcherBox. Ever heard of it? Nope. But in five minutes, I was a member and I've been a devoted monthly member since then. It makes things so easy and automatic because you're getting a big shipment of food. Of course, you uh, design how big that box is that comes every month. And you can even change the delivery dates if you're uh, going out of town or you're getting backed up. Uh, but everything's customizable. But you have uh, the ability now to get the very highest quality meats in every category. Organic free-range poultry, humanely raised pork, the best grass-fed beef, and wild-caught seafood, and a bunch of other stuff. They keep adding uh, different options to their, their menu. You can pick and choose and create a custom box delivered right to your door every month or whenever you want. And it's been a huge uh, game changer for me, as they say, uh, because it's so much easier than driving around town and remembering 
going to go to this store because they have great fish and that store has a, a more affordable grass-fed beef and some of that stuff is so expensive I'm too scared to cook it. Uh, I have a post on my Instagram recently where my son found a, a Wagyu steak in his Japanese market in Los Angeles uh, that was $234 for a two-pound steak. I mean, even if someone gave it to me, I'd be too scared to cook it. I don't want to ruin a $234 steak. And the Butcher Box steak uh, and the Butcher Box subscription model uh, without having to need a retailer to uh, often double the price of things, it's very, very affordable. So please check out butcherbox.com slash brad kearns and if you hit that link you get an incredible bonus offer i mean it's a major generous way to get people to start their subscription um, when it comes to dark chocolate please listen to my show with gourmet chocolate maker sean askinosi of askinosi chocolate in st louis missouri and he will set you straight because he goes into detail about the uh, problems in the chocolate trade especially with commodity products where uh, much of the inexpensive chocolate or the mass-produced uh, major brand chocolate that you see on the shelves today comes from child slave labor, essentially child slave labor in very poorly regulated labor regulations in the African nations that uh, have produce a high amount of the world's chocolate. So Sean contends that if you are purchasing a bar at that normal and familiar price point, when you go and buy a Hershey bar or even uh, some of the more fancy looking labels, such as the selection of dark chocolate you might find at a typical Whole Foods market, um, a lot of that is still uh, coming from commodity raw materials. And if the price is uh, down in the uh, affordable region of three or four bucks for a two or three ounce bar, um, you can be sure, according to Sean, that you are supporting child slave labor in Africa. So I know we don't all uh, have the time and energy to be completely woke in every area of life and make uh, optimal purchasing decisions and not invest in any companies that do business in South Africa. Remember that in the old days, they wanted to um, support the apartheid boycott. And um, it turns out like every company does some form of business in South Africa. This is back in the 80s. I just remember that admonition when when we're uh, talking about uh, investing in stocks. Anyway, back to the dark chocolate. So you have the obligation as a consumer on the planet to source uh, bean to bar, bean dash to dash bar. That's what it says on the label. And that's the thing that gives you uh, confidence and comfort that this chocolate maker knows where their beans came from and roasted and processed the beans themselves in-house. So they started with beans uh, shipped in the gunny sack from uh, equatorial nations that have uh, sustainable labor practices, fair labor practices. And they knew that. And therefore, uh, by ensuring that the farmer gets a fair wage, uh, they have to charge vastly more for a chocolate bar. And so I pay $11, $12, $9, $14 for bars that are two or three ounces, the same size as you might find at a, a, a mass market offering um, for dark chocolate where they're two or three or four dollars. Uh, but that'll set you straight even if you're on a budget. I mean, come on, is there any reason that you'll ever again buy a commodity chocolate bar? Please don't. And the other way to determine after looking 
looking for the bean to bar designation, you can look on the ingredient list and the first ingredient should be cacao beans. Uh, that implies that the bar was made in house. If it's anything else, you'll see, uh, cocoa mass, chocolate, dark chocolate, chocolate liqueur, uh, those designations as the first ingredient, that means they started with a commodity product like a barrel of already melted chocolate. They poured it in and then cut some bars out of it, right? And of course, I'm not being uh, precisely accurate. I'd rather have you listen to the show with Sean, but that's the main takeaway is look to pay a fair price, i.e. a much higher price than you're used to and look for those designations on the bar and send an email off to uh, the manufacturer. If you find a bar in the store, you like it, inquire about their uh, their sourcing and be a woke consumer. Um, look, it's up to us because big food conglomerates have proven again and again they don't give a crap about your health. Um, Dr. Kate, her of the most spicy quotes you can find, said that this uh, transition over from saturated fat to polyunsaturated fat that happened in the 60s and 70s when we were all told by the U.S. government to switch from butter over to much more healthy margarine. Um, she said it's been one big giant experiment to see how many people will die from a processed foods diet. And this is not uh, th- this widespread use of refined, high polyunsaturated industrial seed oils is not for uh, improving taste or anything like that because they don't have any taste. It's simply to save money, despite overwhelming evidence that they have a direct implication in all manner of disease and dysfunction and are widely touted now, widely regarded as the single worst thing that you can put into your body. But they're still prevalent all over the food supply, even at Whole Foods Market. They have canola oil in their hot prepared foods on the buffet and in a variety of ingredients on all of their shelves. So shame on them for standing up and bragging that they are the ultimate uh, destination for the healthiest foods. Maybe things will change when Amazon comes in and uh, maybe some new scientists or whatever their thinking is that they uh, are justifying the use of these toxic products. Maybe that'll change in the next year or two. It has changed nicely for high fructose corn syrup because that really got a bad rap. It started making headline news stories maybe, I don't know, a decade ago or two decades ago. And even the big soda manufacturers and the main sources of high fructose corn syrup uh, switched back over to uh, regular sugar, which is the lesser of two evils. Let's not uh, kid ourselves, but it's been interesting to see the dynamics and the uh, the cultural forces and the economic forces. For example, Walmart is now the world's leading provider of organic produce, and I guarantee you, uh, with the business practices that they have been criticized for since their inception, um, it's not because they care about their consumers' exposure to pesticides. It's because there's a profit opportunity thanks to consumers waking up and demanding organic food. Okay. So now I think we should move on a little bit. Since I already did a commercial for ButcherBox, I should do, I should do another commercial within the show, uh, for my association, my recent association with Beauty Counter and how they do the legwork for you to screen, uh, all, uh, skincare and cosmetic products to be free from toxins and poisons. Um, and that, 
is a new revelation to me. Please listen to my show with Melanie Avalon, uh, beauty counter queen and expert on these uh, topics of uh, all the nasty stuff that's found in mainstream uh, skincare products. And what you put on your skin is super, super important. So in terms of priorities, oh yes, we have uh, what we put into our mouths and then right up there is what we're putting on our skin because of course that's going into our bloodstream as well. Um, I'm not a heavy user of cosmetics. Now I'm very fond of uh, using skincare daily on my face to um, you know keep the keep the skin working for uh, however many years I need it. Let's see, 60 and 57, 63, 65 more years until I turn 123, which is my goal. So I'm going to be a, a heavy consumer for years to come, and I don't want to have that toxic load. Um, the lead in lipstick was one of the main examples that I remember from Melanie's show, uh, but it's super important to scrutinize uh, what you're putting onto your skin. Another big area is plastics touching your food. And so plastics are a bad deal uh, just overall in the environment, uh, but especially if you're drinking from a plastic water bottle or uh, using plastic Tupperware or buying takeout and it's in styrofoam or plastic, we want to minimize our exposure uh, to food and drink uh, with plastic touching. So uh, the recommendation to buy the glass bottles of mineral water is highly appreciated. I did that for a long time. And then I got so uh, disturbed by how much glass I was recycling and filling up an entire barrel of San Pellegrino uh, delivered to my local big box store all the way from Italy. And I was like, man, this is crazy. Um, and I, I switched over to just using the water filter under the sink. But I've recently switched back, inspired uh, by Ben Greenfield. This is a couple of years ago where he was asked to give a top 10 list of health practices and reaching up to that top 10 list. I mean, that's, you know, pretty important stuff. He said, drink mineral water out of the glass. Uh, and he was referencing uh, the, the concern with drinking out of plastic and also the lack of minerals in our diet because of uh, nutrient depleted soil. So it's a great source of minerals when you can buy that natural water. And so I'm, I'm back in the um, recycling mode. I guess it could be greener. And um, if someone were to bottle mineral water closer to me than Italy, okay, I'm open. Anyway, um, so we're talking about putting on our skin. And we also have household cleaners because we come in plenty contact with the things that we clean our surfaces with and also uh, the detergent that we put into our clothes because then it's going to be on our clothes. And so you want to find those alternative brands that represent a commitment to a cleaner, less toxic product. Oh, you're so busy. I'm sorry. You don't have time to focus on this. Sorry about that. Sorry, sorry. How about this? Um, we are experiencing a record decline in the average male testosterone level at a rate of around 1% per year since the 1980s. I'm not talking about the age-related decline in the individual right? A 20-year-old has testosterone here, a 40-year-old has a little lower, a 60-year-old, when they're, when they're 60, they have it lower. I'm talking about the average 27-year-old from the 80s to today 
is drastically reduced in serum testosterone level. And this is from research around the world, more than one study. There's a study from uh, Denmark, study from Japan, study from America. And this is believed to be uh, many causes. Uh, one of them might be this high-tech world where uh, today's male is uh, now uh, working with their mobile device or playing a video game rather than sleeping. Uh, but it's also believed to be driven by the increase in endocrine disruptors, environmental estrogenic compounds in the environment. Uh, there's an expert named Dr. Anthony J. You can find him on different podcasts, and he wrote the book Estrogeneration. Um, he's talking about how you can uh, protect yourself better. And one is if something smells fresh and has a scent, a pleasant scent, like the little Christmas tree you buy and hang on your car uh, rearview mirror, or you get your shirt out of the laundry and it has a nice fresh scent from using Tide or what have you, uh, this has most likely toxic chemicals and endocrine disruptors on your wonderful fresh smelling shirt. So we want to get away from this concept that scents are something to, uh, to, to look for uh, besides uh, natural scents. All right. So um, unless otherwise proudly proclaimed, your cleaning product, skincare product probably is littered with toxins. So you can go look for uh, a brand like Mrs. Meyer's Clean Day or Dr. Bronner's Fantastic Castile Soap, which uh, I use for the body, but you can also use as a household cleaner and find these eco-friendly brands and, and really shop carefully. Um, I wouldn't even trust... Uh, this might be conspiracy theory, but I don't even trust the corporate giant brands when they come out with a uh, cleaner, uh, more friendly product. It, it just it just turns my stomach to look at Tide Natural or whatever, and that's not even an actual example. Uh, but I'm saying I'm always looking toward kind of the uh, the mom and pop feel of the brand. Uh, I'm thinking of Dr. Bronner's, where um, you can send them an email, you can ask them uh, what's in there. Can I brush my teeth with your Castile soap? Yes, you can. And boy, my teeth feel great. I brush my teeth about once a month because it's kind of a strong uh, taste. But boy, your teeth really get clean. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, look past the, the, the corporate conglomerates that are so profit-driven and so far disconnected from the reality of um, problems with human health. They probably never heard of Anthony J. They probably never called him in to say, hey, how can we make our laundry detergent uh, chemical-free and less endocrine-disrupting? Because they don't give a crap. Um, and shame on uh, brands like Paul Newman and the celebrity lending his name and likeness to an operation that would sell a product called red wine, olive oil, and vinegar dressing, which I used for many years. It was delicious with Smile and Paul on the front. And oh yes, all profits go to charity. Isn't that wonderful? And it is wonderful that his summer camp is funded by uh, this growing uh, consumer product. Uh, but then if you turn over the label, you see that it's made with uh, not olive oil uh, yet, but before that on the ingredient list, uh, canola and or uh, another vegetable oil. I haven't bought it in a while, I forgot, but I was so uh, amused to see that and or, which basically conveys most likely that uh, when they're doing the next production run, they are buying whatever's available from the commodity market. So they're buying a big barrel of safflower oil this time, and they're not even telling you it's an and or. They don't even promise really what's in there. Um, and then olive oil comes later down the ingredient list. So it's not a lie on the front label to say red wine 
olive oil and vinegar dressing. But if there's more canola oil than olive oil, um, it is kind of a lie and it's a, a huge deception. I can't even believe it's legal. And I can't even believe Paul Newman would still have his face on there if he found out. Does he care? Does he give a crap that he's selling red wine, olive oil and vinegar dressing made with canola oil? Same with Ben and Jerry, man. What's up? What's up, boys? You hippie trippy guys from Vermont that are so cool and hip and have counterculture, grateful dead inspired decorations on your stores and on your cartons. Uh, but many of those uh, flavors are made with refined industrial seed oils in the Ben and Jerry pint. And they're bragging out of the other side of their mouth that uh, none of our stuff have uh, recombinant bovine growth hormone in there. We use the, the best cows, these happy cows from Vermont that, that eat the nice grass. And then let me dump some seed oil uh, as a preservative or a way to uh, stabilize rather than using something that's more expensive but that would do the same thing. Uh, so shame on them. I'm sure they sold out years or decades ago. Um, and all we can do here... Well, we can do a lot of things. We can write a letter to our senator or the Vermont senator and say, hey, um, did you know your your proud uh, state's product has refined industrial seed oils in there? Don't think that's going to work too much. But what we can do is vote with our pocketbook and, and get this stuff out of there and have it uh, dwindle away in the next generation, especially if you're a parent and you have kids. Do you want your kid reaching for uh, hippy trippy smiling guys from Vermont uh, peddling ice cream with toxic products? Product, toxic ingredients in there. Yeah. Um, how about the the whole story with uh, electromagnetic fields, um, the artificial EMFs that come from uh, Wi-Fi, from mobile devices, uh, the widespread institution of the 5G cellular network, which the deep enthusiasts are very, very concerned about. Um, but if you go into an AT&T wireless store and upgrade your phone and ask them, well, what about this 5G? And they'll say, oh, there's no problem there. It's been tested as safe. So I'm going to trust these people that are really devoted and doing great work outside of the um, the industrial complex and to point out the risks and dangers. Um, Dr. Mercola, very popular internet resource for many years, um, writes a lot of uh, uh, spicy articles uh, about all the uh, assault on human health that we, we have to be careful about. And when you meet him at a public event and ask if you can take a selfie with him, uh, your your brush with celebrity, he will very happily comply, but he'll ask you to put your phone in airplane mode because he doesn't, he doesn't want even that brief exposure to your uh, cellular and your Wi-Fi when your phone is on. Same with the liver king, the most ancestral living human you can find when you go visit his home uh, outside of Houston area. Um, there are no cell phones allowed in the home. Pol pol politely, respectfully, uh, here's a bowl. It's actually a Faraday cage. You know what that is? It's a it's a, um, a special uh, constructed container that uh, protects you from uh, the emissions of the devices inside. And so you can uh, install a Faraday cage around your, uh, your, your power meter on the side of your house. You can put a Faraday cage around your bed. And when you go into his home, you are politely asked to drop your phone into the, into the, into the bowl by the front entrance. You can get it when you leave. And if you need to work on your computer, they have all kinds kinds of really long um, Ethernet cords, 
cables uh, extended all over the place. So you can grab one, plug in, and then go work wherever you want. But what a credit to a, a family that's really committed to that extent. And you know what? It's not that big of a difference to uh, Ethernet plug in rather than rely on Wi-Fi. And I've got in the habit of doing that because when I do my podcast, I want the most reliable internet connection. So right now, um, I have the plug in and no Wi-Fi. So my brain is working really well. That's how I can rant so hard. And I certainly don't want to come off as anti-establishment, uh, anti-government, right? We're all doing the best we can in society, and the major players are as well. They just take a long time to move. Uh, but we should remember um, that the U.S. government has issued guidance in due time, um, but we want to be ahead of the curve here because uh, smoking was uh, certainly okay until 1964. Seatbelts? I lost a bet here recently. I couldn't believe it. Um, like, when did the seatbelt law come about? And I thought it was way back when, um, early in my lifetime. It was not until 1986 that seatbelts became a law. I believe this is California law. So you could finally get an actual ticket for not using a seatbelt, but not until 1986. Shocking. Um, and also, uh, a wonderful tidbit from one of the Jay Feldman, Mike Fave, Energy Balance podcast episodes, uh, was talking about this concept of a hormetic stressor, which we banter about now, of how wonderful it is for fasting and cold exposure and sauna. Do you know where the concept arose? Was the nuclear and chemical industries trying to pass off their extreme health hazards as beneficial in small doses? So if you live near a bomb testing site, you know what? It was okay. You're getting a little bit of radiation or your, your uh, water supply is a little bit polluted with toxins. And they tried to pass that off as hormetic stressors where as the story goes, your body is exposed to a toxin and mounts a defense response that serves to fine-tune your immune function. And I've also uh, read this in the context of a dosage of refined industrial seed oil. So if you order up french fries once a month and get that uh, that dose of toxins, you mount a, a very aggressive antioxidant, anti-inflammatory defense response and thereby, in theory, fine-tune your, uh, your, your antioxidant defense systems. Uh, so it sounds lovely in practice as a cop out for uh, going and ordering fries once a month. Uh, but we have to also remember, and uh, Jay reminded us uh, in that, in that program that uh, stress is cumulative. So if you're having 12 orders of French fries every year, once a month to keep your antioxidant defense systems finely tuned, um, let's talk in 20 years. That's, um, you know, a cumulative dose of something that you don't really need to eat in the first place. Okay, I know that was a lot, and I came on heavy-handed, and I get me uh, stirred up at the emotional level because I care so much. I want you to walk the healthy path and uh, go ahead, uh, say everything in moderation, and then dare me to jump all over that concept, but I hope you take it in good spirit, and definitely uh, just do the best you can within the context of the time, resources, energy you have available. But hey, as Mia Moore likes to say, we only have one life, so we might as well do our best and, you know, fight a battle if necessary to not succumb to the smiling celebrity salad dressing and the cool hippie ice cream guys that are peddling us poison. 
as well as the other examples mentioned, uh, avoiding the temptations that Dr. Lustig recites in The Hacking of the American Mind. And then finally, uh, not being our own worst enemy by overdoing it to the extent that uh, we accumulate too many stressors and we don't get the desired, the intended benefits of our workouts. Okay, thanks for listening. Let me know what you think. Podcast at bradventures.com. And please share this show with someone you care about. I'll share it with my childhood friend mentioned, and uh, we'll all get a good laugh out of it, I promise. Hey listeners, I want to tell you a true story about the super awesome Paleo Valley Superfood Bars. And I can't believe I'm promoting an energy bar because I literally took a 17-year break or so from eating a single bar. That's because I've eaten plenty in my day. Back when I was a triathlete, I was sponsored by the original big-name bar makers, and I used them for so many years on long bike rides and then leaking into my life as a daily habit. But guess what? Most energy bars, even today as we evolve and have better product selection in, in so many ways, most energy bars contain as much sugar as a candy bar and even the high protein bars have lots of sugar and usually an inferior quality protein paleo valley bars on the other hand are free from added sugar or processed sugar and have an assortment of bonus ingredients like grass-fed beef bone broth protein for your collagen needs a blend of nutritious plant-based ingredients like pumpkin seed kale broccoli spinach blueberries spirulina cherry turmeric ginger himalayan pink salt and very importantly the product is cold processed It's hard to use the word superfood unless it's deserved, and it really is deserved with this product. I get a distinct sensation of feeling satisfied and nourished after eating a Paleo Valley bar, and it lasts for hours. And let me tell you, these bars are the real deal. They've been rigorously taste-tested by Brad Kearns himself on my epic 22-mile Cactus to Clouds hike back in October, where I ate five bars in a single day while hiking the single most difficult hiking trail in the United States in Palm Springs. Paleo Valley superfood bars actually taste great all day long because they're not overly sweet and they're filled with those healthful ingredients that give you true satisfaction. Hey, go try some out. What do you have to lose? Paleovalley.com. Take that 15% discount with the code BRAD15. Thank you for listening to the show. I love sharing the experience with you and greatly appreciate your support. Please email podcast at bradventures.com with feedback, suggestions, and questions for the Q&A shows. Subscribe to our email list at bradkerns.com for a weekly blast about the published episodes and a wonderful bi-monthly newsletter edition with informative articles and practical tips for all aspects of healthy living. You can also download several awesome free ebooks when you subscribe to the email list. And if you could go to the trouble to leave a five or five star review with Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to the shows, that would be super incredibly awesome. It helps raise the profile of the BRAD podcast and attract new listeners. And did you know that you can share a show with a friend or loved one by just hitting a few buttons in your player and firing off a text message? My awesome podcast player called Overcast allows you to actually record a soundbite excerpt from the episode you're listening to and fire it off with a quick text message. Thank you so much for spreading the word. And remember, be rad.